Sitting in a vacant Toronto house one summer, Gordon Lightfoot penned the lyrics to the first song of his to ever hit the American music charts. The song, inspired by Lightfoot's divorce, struck a chord internationally, reaching number one on the Canadian music charts and number five on the Billboard Hot 100. In later live performances of this classic, Lightfoot changed one of the lines at the request of his daughter. I'm just trying to understand the feelings that you lack, becoming I'm just trying to understand the feelings that we lack. The popularity of this song was so immense that it changed the title of the album it was released on. Thus, the album, Sit Down Young Stranger, became named after this song. That's right, on the final week of Lover Me, we're talking Gordon Lightfoot's If You Could Read My Mind. If you could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts could tell. Just like an old-time movie about a ghost from a wishing well. That's right, it's Lover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous love songs and their many cover versions and compares them against one another to find out which ones can read our mind. I'm your host as always, uh, who am I? I'm your host as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my telepathic co-host. Who am I? Alex Mildenberger. Thanks for telling me, telepathically. That's right, that's that's the only way you know that. I didn't have that one. I actually fucking nailed the intro, and then everything after the intro, I fucked up. No, the intro was good, but you really got to remember your name, dude. I know that was that's amateur hour. <laughs> um, Alex, this is the final week of Lover Me, this and we are talking about me. maybe one of the most depressing songs on earth. Yes, this is more about divorce, uh, because Damn. as as Lover Me must come to an end, so must. Many relationships, including this relationship, which is Gordon Lightfoot's first marriage. How many times has that dude been married? Uh, it was two or three. Uh, definitely two. Let me look here. Do you think he played this for his second wife when they were, when they were divorced? He's been married three times. Um, I don't know. I, I watched... There's a, a documentary on CBC, CBC website about... Gordon Lightfoot. It's called "If You Could Read My Mind," and I mm. watched it last night. It's about ninety minutes long, and okay. uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Like goes over his life. It didn't really say he'd been married three times, but when he talked about his second marriage, it happened long enough ago that like when it showed his third wife, I was like, "She's way too young. <laughs> There's no way that's her." And uh, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. He's also still alive. He's like eighty. Yeah, he's 80-something in, uh, it was like early 2010s that, uh, like, there was a false story that went out that he died, and he called into, like, a a Winnipeg radio station being like, hey, it's me, Gordon Lightfoot, I'm alive. Yes, I do remember that happening, I remember it being reported, and I was like, hey, that's a name I recognize, because of, um, really, at the time, only Black Day in July, which gets play on... Or I'm sure more than just that, but that was the only one that I was aware of um, because it got some play on uh, classic rock radio, which I listened to at the time. Yeah. Speaking of classic rock radio, I just found out last night through Twitter that Alice Cooper is still doing his radio show. Which is right on. I can't believe we didn't like look that up because we talked about it. Yeah. Like when we did Poison all those many months ago. And no, uh, nobody even reached out to be like, hey, idiots, he's, he's still doing it. Because we don't have any uh, followers? No, yeah, we must, so right? Really, this is a failing of our followers and not us. Yeah, this isn't our more, fault. S- more so in the fact that they don't follow us. Yes. 
So followers of ours, you guys really gotta, you gotta start listening to this. Become, um, I don't want to say fans, but I want to say I'm gonna stick with followers. Like, yeah, because you can follow something can we, without can we liking turn this, it. Can we turn this into a cult? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, they could be like followers of us as post-humanist beings. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take it. Because that's what we are. <laughs> I, mean, right? I, I took a class on post-humanism. Can't even tell if you used the term right. Like, yeah, I don't know. All I know is you <laughs> took that class and and you used that word one time, and I was like, I like it. It's, I'm, yeah, it's I'm after human. Uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm better. So let's talk about this. Different? A song that I didn't know the original version of, but one of the cover versions, and knowing that is has depressed me almost more than this song. Yeah, it it was the same for me, and I think I remember a couple years ago, uh, like my dad got whatever best of Gordon Lightfoot or the essential Gordon Lightfoot or something like that, and my sister used to sing this song. Mm. I'm pretty sure it wasn't the original version. I don't know um, exactly, but. And then I, I was just listening to the album and I heard this song and I was like, this is so familiar. But like was surprised it was like a, a folk song from the 70s. And I yeah. swear I was like driving with you somewhere and I was like, you gotta listen to this man, this song. This song sounds like, it's, it's old, man. I was, <laughs> I was always very exciting. It was like that and like um, the first cut is the deepest. Like those had the same effect on me where I used to hear my sister sing them. Cause there was like a later pop version. Right. And, then, and then I heard the original and I was just so surprised, even though I need yeah. to stop being cause that happens far too often. Uh, yeah. That still it shocks me. Like, I mean, most of the versions we're talking about today are like dance covers. Yeah. That is a little odd. Uh, yeah, it's it's very odd. It's, to take- there are a lot of covers of this song though. There's like, Mm-hmm. Probably close to 140 versions of this song, um, listed on on uh, secondhand songs, and mm-hmm. even like in the documentary, which is called "If You Could Read My Mind." Did I say that before? I don't remember. Yes. Um, okay, so I don't need to say it again. Um, when what was they the talk name about of the documentary, though, that was the name of the documentary. What was it? What? What was the name of the documentary? Can you read my mind? <laughs> no. That's but <laughs> but did you know the documentary was called If You Could Read My Mind? It's called Gordon Lightfoot uh, colon If You Could Read My Mind. Yeah. Gordon Lightfoot's colon If You Could, if read, you my could mind. read My Mind. Yeah. Um, okay. And, and even when they get to that song, like that is what they highlight is how many cover versions there are. And there's like so many because we're talking about a couple, but there's there's a ton more and I don't have the page up anymore. And I, that's not great, but there's a lot. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. I know there's, there's especially like there's the a bunch Johnny of country Cash versions. Version. Yeah, Johnny Cash versions, some other country versions. Um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Uh, did Ian and Sylvia do it? Ian and Sylvia did like a couple of his songs, possibly this one. Um, they were like buddies. Ian Tyson comes up in this uh, documentary a couple times. So, okay. yeah, it was all like. So, yeah, this song has been covered a lot. Yes, it has. Which is a little weird. What? Yeah. Because it's not, well, maybe it's not that weird, but almost its popularity was almost a little weird because it's not like hooky, really, and it, there's not like a big chorus or anything. Mm-hmm. And I would say like the, the big, like the, the parts where the song goes the hardest, like drop so unexpectedly. 
that it's it doesn't allow you to like kind of get into the rhythm of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think does... that's also why people uh, like kind of flock to this song is because it is so like weird and gross and personal and also beautiful at the same time. Yeah. All right. With that, let's talk about some words. Let's talk about these fucking words, man. Um, we open with the first verse. Let's uh, let's go with the the the. Yeah, let's go with the first. Nah, let's go with the first two lines. If you yeah. could read my mind, love, what a tale Oof. my thoughts could tell. Well, we're pretty straightforward there. I mean, yeah. he, he, this song, as we discussed, is about his divorce, and he uh, clearly has, or he seems to be expressing this inability to express himself kind of like mm-hmm. he's he can only express the fact that he can't express himself which sounds a little ironic he's saying like you know this is what i'm trying to tell you but but i can't for so or it's hard to say if you could if you could understand i guess maybe it's more of an understanding like you can express yourself without someone understanding you yeah necessarily that's... so he like I, I i'm trying to tell my side of the story or, or tell you how i feel about this yeah, and it's uh, as we find in verse two that that understanding and, and and lacking it is on both sides of the equation. Because verse two opens, "If I could read your mind, love, what a tale your thoughts could tell." Right. And so then, with the with the following words in both, he sort of does his best to to break it down into essentially similes. Um, where he says, "Just like an old time movie about a ghost from a wishing well." In a castle dark or a fortress strong with chains upon my feet. Yeah, I tried to figure out if that was an actual movie being referenced. And there's a forum I went online that seems to think, all right, some classic horror film. Uh, seems to uh, think it's about Casper? Seems to think it's about uh, an, an Abbott and Costello movie called The Time of Their Lives. About two ghosts who are mistakenly branded as traitors during the Revolutionary War return to a 20th century New England, not a 20th century New England, just 20th century New England, to retrieve a letter from George Washington which would prove their innocence. Now, it's a comedy, so I feel like maybe that's not right, but I've not seen the movie, so I don't know if it fits in any way. Yeah, I'm not sure. I just kind of thought... Like, so he's, he, cause he says, uh, to go one line further, he says, you know, that ghost is me. Right. So, uh, like about a ghost from a wishing well, what the, like the grudge, a, no, the other one, the ring, <laughs> the ring. No, but I'm thinking like a wishing well is where, where hope is right. You, sure. you make wishes and it's your sincere hope that they come true. So a, a ghost from a wishing well is like literally dead hope. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. That's so sad. Uh and he's also uh like trapped inside a a fortress. Yeah. He's stuck. He's got chains. Uh he doesn't say shackles, but I assume the chains are attached to his feet via shackles. Um that's Yeah, it's not opinion. just like a cool fashion accessory. She's <laughs> got some dope chains on my feet. Uh yeah, they're pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um and he's I I like the part he's like and the, you know the ghost is me. I'm the ghost. <laughs> I'm the ghost. <laughs> there are a few times in this song where it seems like he's almost patronizing to the other person, but I'm sure right. it's just for poetry reasons. Like it all fits in. Mm-hmm. I know like the documentary was talking about how much effort he put into his lyrics and like melodies. 
right. and a lot of people were talking about like he would write out lead sheets which is kind of uncommon for writing out melodies um mm. especially in like more modern pop music and when they were interviewing him he was just kind of like well you know as long as it rhymes it's fine <laughs> so you never know how much or or what the thought process is he seems to I don't know. It's hard to tell what he says versus what he actually did, but that's what he said. I don't know if he was just telling a joke. (laughs) Yeah, hard to tell sometimes with those kind of interviews. Um, With this, yeah, with this line, you know that ghost is me. It could be. We've already established that at the heart of maybe this this divorce is a communication problem, right? Right. If you could read my mind, what a tale of my thoughts could tell that maybe I can't say out loud. So when he's, you know, breaking down the simile, he has to be like, I'm the ghost. Like, it's not you. It's not the relationship. It's Right. Like, I'm not trying to blame this on you or anything. Mm-hmm. I'm the ghost here. It's me. I the am ghost, dead and I will hope. never be set free as long as I'm a ghost that you can't see. see I always thought you said you can see. Mm. So uh, what's the difference? I guess, Yeah. I, I kind of like the ghost you can see is better. Because so, then it's like you have to separate each other because the only way to not be held back by this unfortunate situation is to completely separate from it, which is what's like, happening. He's getting a divorce. But yeah, I guess maybe in this, in the actual version, it's that you need to acknowledge yeah. me as a ghost. And, and like we need to accept that I, who you thought I was essentially is dead. Dead. Or Dead. never existed. Yeah. Mm. Which brings us into verse two. It does. All right. It says, if I could read your mind, love, what a tale your thoughts could tell. Just like a paperback novel, the kind that drugstores sell. So um, actually I should probably read the rest of that just because yeah. it all kind of connects there. When you when you reach the part where the heartache comes, the hero would be me. But heroes often fail. Sad again. <laughs> Yeah, just so, fucking, and these are the moments like that line, the hero would be me, where things start to start to rise up. And you're like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna hit some shit, and then he just fucking guts it on the next the, line. It's like, but, but heroes, heroes often fail, and it's yeah, just like down again. Um, now the books he talks about like cheap novels, basically they just get being sold at a drugstore, paperbacks. Mm-hmm. My first thought was like romance novels. Yes. Um, that seems to be genius's thoughts on the matter as yeah. well. Sort of Harlequin romance. So he's kind of imagining her thoughts as unrealistic. Kind of is that is that how it's being presented? Is that how you're you would take it? Because saying like yeah, it's like you know, well, but it's not like that. Like and you see and, me as this hero, yeah. but I'm not this hero. I'm not. It's yeah. I think or he if I am, I can in, fail anyway verse three his own unrealistic expectations as well right so there is a an element of this song that is about how weirdly enough how media shapes our expectations of love but how those are often <clears throat> not reality and so yeah and this one he says emotion. like yeah. like yeah he says like you're you know you read these novels and in them you know when heartache happens the hero swoops in and that <laughs> In your your eyes, that was me coming in to save you from heartache, but heroes often fail. Yeah, like I can fail because, or I, 
he doesn't say like I'm not actually a hero or this is real life, but he kind of I'm I'm getting that he implies it. Do you get that as well? That's yeah. what I get out of it. That's what you kind of said. He's yeah, he's, he's saying that like there is no like like guarantee, I guess. It's like sure heroes can show up, but there that doesn't necessarily mean they're successful, that they're going to win. Mhm. You know, it's and it's interesting that we're talking about a song that uses the word hero so uh, so like centrally in the, right. in the song. So we just talked about heroes because in that one we talked about how heroes often die. Right. It is kind of the same idea because the heroes in that were creating this kind of like this fiction where the heroes could survive even if only for a day. Mm-hmm. And in this, he's kind of saying the same thing. Like it that didn't last. Like could yeah. be a hero, but then the hero fails. And yeah, and I, that relates to him, you know, now being a ghost is that he sort of failed and died, and then and lived then, in a well. Yeah, and then how we also talked about how heroes kind of live on through that story, and then he addresses that with the last two lines of this verse, where he says, "And you won't read that book again because the ending's just too hard to take." Right. That book being their relationship. Right, and just, like, leave it. The other thing I took from that, um, mostly going from this documentary, he's talking about how after his divorce, he said he would never get married again. And then, of course, as we know, he was married two more times. But that kind of is kind of the other side of that line that I get. Like, you won't read the book again. You won't want to be a part of these relationships Mm. again because they might end like this one and that's right that's too hard yeah that is that's 100 percent right that is the that's definitely something he's saying with that line again just fucking devastating stuff yeah yeah it really is but it sounds <sighs> nice it's a very pretty sounding yeah. song very pretty sounding song and so then we get to verse three where he says i'd walk away like a movie star who gets burned in a three-way script. So uh, this seems to imply, I, had, I like Googled around and saw what other people thought about it, but that like in a, a three-way script, script being like there are th- three, like basically he got cheated on in, in the movie sense. I don't know if he actually got cheated on in real life. He was but... actually the cheater in real oh. life, I believe. So I don't know exactly how to interpret that from that context. I'm pretty, yeah, because he like, was away from his family doing his music or whatever. Right. Not being And he, he, the song faithful. he didn't pen was Faithfully by Journey. True. That's true. As far as we know. But in, in, the, in movies where there is like uh, somebody who gets burned in a relationship, which is I think what he means when he says he gets burned in a three-way script. Right. Um, they, uh, and this is where the other lines in, enter number two, a movie queen to play the scene of bringing all the good things out in me, is that... His unrealistic expectation after this divorce is that he's going to run into this woman who's just going to, you know, make his life good and great again and, like, turn things around. Right. But then again, pulls back. Like, it's the same thing. He kind of Mm -hmm. comes up of bringing all the good things out in me and then, like, comes down and says, but for now, love, let's be real. Because it's, like, a direct acknowledgement of, like, that's not realistic. Yeah, he's he's like that's crazy. It's obviously not going to happen. And then the next couple lines are pretty telling, I think. They both say like something 
similar and they have a similar structure when he says i never thought i could act this way and i've got to say that i just don't get it i don't know where we went wrong but the feeling's gone and i just can't get it back and again so sad um yeah because i i do like the first part really because he's like like he's he knows like as i mentioned he was he was cheating Mm-hmm. Or at least that's a story I seem to remember reading. I read a lot. You know, you read so much information. Um, yeah. But, like, he's saying, like, I, I didn't think that, this, that I was this kind of person. Like, I couldn't do this thing. I didn't think. But then I did. And, like, I I don't even understand how. I didn't, didn't expect myself to do this, given the opportunity. It's like, what would you do, given the opportunity kind of situation? Like, Right. Uh, what's the... What's the prison experiment or whatever where like oh the uh the stanford yeah where like people were supposedly given power and it showed that they abused it or something but it's like if you never have if you're never given that power you never know what you would do um yeah with with all your power what would you do what would you do that's that's exactly what they talk about in the yeah 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 song yeah so (laughs) seems this is the AAS song, but in like two lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I never thought I could act this way. I've got to say that I just don't get it. Cause yeah, he doesn't under he doesn't understand how he became that person, how he could do these things. That you're right. It's exactly what you just said. And then he says he brings it to the relationship. I don't right. know where we went wrong. Like I don't know when you and I stopped having this this you know this sort of movie or paperback novel love i don't know Mm -hmm. when things stop being good but i know that we can't get it back the feeling is gone which is again yeah so sad so very sad it's the end it's the end of an era it's the end this well this came in 1970 so it was the end of the 60s you know that's right things were changing the the i don't know you know Stuff was going on. The 70s. Stuff was going on. And then so we get uh, the verse four is pretty much just it starts out with the first verse again. Right. The the ghost in the wishing well. Yeah. But up then until the, chains the, upon my feet. Yeah. Talking about it says, but stories always end. And if you read between the lines, you'll know that I'm just trying to understand the feelings that you lack. So, again, talking about, like, this reality crashing down mm-hmm. around them. Like, going from the storybook romance into just cold reality. And, and yeah, like... Yeah, because it's, like, a direct address to the audience, his ex-wife. If you read between the lines of the, the, these, these similes I've been laying out, you'll, you'll know that I just am trying to understand. And then, so this line is what I talked about in the... the intro that he actually changes this line right. in live performances because his daughter asked him to the the feelings that you lack became the feelings that we lack yeah and i think that's probably a good change you know like with foresight it makes sense because it really it was not it, it sounds like he's blaming blaming her here uh, mm-hmm. not necessarily I think there's a reading where this just means that he doesn't understand 
her necessarily. Not, yeah, if you can with, read my mind, right? Yeah, it's not saying that he didn't screw up, just that he, um, sh- her feelings are the ones that he doesn't understand. Or, yeah, or why does she seem he to has not a grasp on his own? Have, yeah. Uh, so, although I think the change is good, just to like clear it up a little bit, because clearly there, mm-hmm. uh, obviously that if you're talking about like. It it does sound kind of blamey, like at on first yeah. listen, and it takes a little bit more reading into. So, um, and yeah, it's it's like one word, so it, go, exactly. it goes so by yeah, pretty he's, fast. He said in an interview that the the difficulty with writing songs inspired by personal stories is that there is not always the emotional distance and clarity to make lyrical lyrical improvements, such as the one his daughter suggested. Hmm. So, so yeah, I think it just does make yeah. it clearer. It's, so it's it's nice when. You do have a situation like that, and an artist can say, like, yeah, it, was a little, it wasn't quite right. Like, it mm-hmm. makes more sense the other way. And uh, can, like, have that maturity to, to make that change. Yeah, and then from the feelings that you lack, like, says, I never thought I could feel this way. I've got to say that I just don't get it. So this time it's I never thought I could feel this way instead of act this way. Yeah. And I always, I mean... Talking about act, uh, I mentioned it seemed like that was the infidelity. Like, I didn't think I was that kind of person. And then he talked about the feelings gone. So now he says, I don't think I never thought I could feel this way. And I think that's just an acknowledgement of, like, this this endless love seemed to be there at the beginning of the relationship. And then now this happened. And now it's gone. And mm-hmm. I, I I could never have expected way back that it would just disappear like this. Yeah. I never expected this this absence where there was once something. And that is that's pretty much it. That's the lyrics. Yeah, it's really four verses. Um the structure's kind of it's got that like A A B A thing cuz really verse 1, 2 and 4 all kind of start the same way and then verse 3 is the other verse. Mm-hmm. Um and the other although verse four is almost like a combination of a and b so it's almost like a a b a slash b kind of thing because right. the fourth verse is a bit extended and has some parts of the third verse um so yeah i mean it's it's not like super duper complicated structurally mm-hmm. but uh he does some really nice things with the uh with the way he plays his guitar and the way the instruments work and uh we'll talk about those in a sec um and yeah sort of like how they weave in with the with the lyrics at the time and um just enhance what they're trying to say yeah they really do uh especially because he brings in strings on this piece and it's you know it doesn't become this bombastic orchestra it just kind of does some emotional punch-ups on different parts yeah it manages to just that Manages to stay pretty subdued, even mm-hmm. with like st- like strings, which is doesn't always happen. Yeah, so it, it opens up. It's basically acoustic guitar. Maybe like it might be two tracks of acoustic guitar. Yeah, he also plays a twelve string usually, mm. so it might just be kind of all those strings. Right, because I know for sure he's doing the the rhythm because there's just like a boom. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, there's like a rhythm underneath. Yeah. Yeah. Which sometimes, I mean, he does some picking, I think, so. Or finger picking? I can have to double check on that. Maybe not. Because in in your right ear, you'll get these like... 
Yeah. And then the left is more of that rhythm. Right. There's actually like two rhythms. There's kind of like a ding, 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 like an arpeggio and then just like a solid bass. Dum, dum, dum. Right. And then the strings do come in and they kind of play along with them. Yeah, they tend to follow the vocal melody like yeah. very closely. Not like exactly. Yeah, but, but they like still the... kind of follow along in the same place. They're kind mm-hmm. of enhancing it. Um, and then really when he gets to certain lines, it's more sparse at the start, but like in particular, um, uh, the like, I, I will never be set free line, I think is where it first happens. Right. He starts to like, or whoever's playing that guitar starts to pick faster. And that's where the kind of intensity ramps up a bit. Mm hmm. And that's, yeah, and that's when the strings start to go in. So that's like 37 to about 48 seconds is that first kind of run where things like start to go up. And then right when you think it's going to keep going, it just like fizzles out. Yeah, and just kind of like plays that introductory riff, the in between the verses and then like goes into another verse, very similar to the first one, first time. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing again. It's, yeah, so the, the strings kind of are like, because it takes them about, I think, 30 seconds for the strings to actually come in, but then they are pretty much there throughout the song. Yes. Yes. And I think verse verse two, like I mentioned, that fast picking, I, I really like the effect of that fast picking, so I'm going to talk about it a lot. Um, yeah, talk about it. But uh, I don't it it just, it's, this song is about, like, thoughts really um Mm -hmm. and and it kind of happens at times where it seems like the thoughts are like starting to pick up it really gets this has this feeling of like his mind's racing suddenly but then like falling back into this kind of like depressed state almost yeah and just goes like back and forth and then once you get to the third verse it starts to happen more and more often like it's mm-hmm. happening every couple of lines, like titles of like the movie queen line, and then of course at the end, uh, I never thought I could act this way, and I don't know where we went wrong. It happens again, which is kind of the normal spot, but it really just that's to me like the the um, tension ramp up in this song it really happens just with that happening more frequently. It's not even really happening that different. Yeah, it's just is happening more. Yeah. Yeah, it is uh yeah, that is the kind of like the key. That's almost the climax of the song is the the third verse and you do get that sort of increase in the 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 higher moments. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it brings an idea of just like intensity of thought but then still like the fruitlessness of it. He can't really think his way out of this uh, this problem. Yeah, the song doesn't have like a conclusion really is just kind of acknowledging that this is happening and has to like continue with it and Mm -hmm. live with it yeah and this like it's not a fade out at the end of this song we just kind of get the guitar kind of just gently takes us down at the end it kind of just does a slow run down yeah it yeah it just does quick little riff and then kind of like like resolves and then it's over um which no, I thought I had something to say about that. I've totally, it's totally gone. 
Sorry. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's what's interesting with that. Is that the strings do that or did between like verses throughout the song? Right. It's a little more high energy. And right. then we get that that same musical phrase, but with a, a much sadder toned instrument. It really, uh, yeah, it's really almost puts a dampener on it. It's almost like the musical equivalent of a sigh, mm-hmm. like just this like exhalation. It's like okay, and then just, yeah, it's over. Like I've I've said my part, and and that's it. That's it. And uh, fuck. <laughs> Swear, like this, this thought is like in my brain. It's not quite coming out though. I think I might have well, to abandon Alex, it. If only I could read your mind. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it about how at thirty seconds there's like this weird noise, like very low in the mix? What does it sound like? It kind of sounds like an email notification to me. Oh, well, did he get an email? When he was recording the song in 1970. I don't know. Maybe it's just kind of like a. Duh. Let me listen That's to like it. At the 30 second mark, it's low in the mix, so you might not pick up on it. Yeah, it sounds like a beep. Yeah. Could be a beep. I mean, beeps existed before email. That's true. Someone could have just missed it. I mean, we found what we think are mistakes in mixes before. I also That's wonder true. if there's a way, like, because back when, like, analog was the thing you had to like do things with tape physically so you could fuck up tape i wonder if there's a way you can fuck up tape that makes a very quiet beeping sound maybe who knows <laughs> nothing I that i know, know of can do that but maybe man alex i missed a, i missed i had a note here i was going to make a poop joke during the lyrics oh man that would have uh, been actually there's been two poop jokes i could have made fun first he says uh, enter number 2 yeah that's the poop number alex <laughs> And then as a callback to uh, to the episode we released two weeks ago now, the uh, but recorded last week, Foreigners, I Want to Know What Love Is, he uh, read between the lines. We made a joke about, about butts last time with that. We did. What was it? It was because uh, I got you to talk about spies, and then I said, oh, Alex, I think you're talking about Austin Powers. And then you said there was a lot of fart jokes in the song, and I was like, oh, yeah, like read between the lines. It's a, it's a butt crack. It's a butt crack. Oh man, that would have added some levity to our discussion about a song about a divorce. Yeah, certainly would have. Alex, uh, did you? Uh, this was. Uh, this has all been me just trying to give you time to see if you could find that thought. Have you found it, or are we going to move on? <laughs> no, I think we, I think we need to move on. All right, let's enter the 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 cover town. <laughs> let's get under the covers. Have I tried that one yet? That's a good. Surely, surely you have. Yeah, I would probably. be shocked if you hadn't. Um, there um, was I found a maybe a music video, but it was clearly not from the seventies, and I don't know who made it. So um, let's ignore okay. it. Like a fan music. I was gonna say I looked at a live performance here, and last week on the bonus episode, we had a segment about what celebrities we thought uh, our our team members looked like. Check out the bonus segment, people. And Gordon Dowdy kind of looks like you in this, Alex. In in which in it's which like a video? 1970s li- live performance. He's got, he's got your kind of hair and he's oh, got a so mustache. Oh, so loud! So loud! Because of his yeah. curly hair yeah. and his vest. I'd yeah. wear a vest like that and a striped shirt like vest. That. He doesn't have a mustache though. He has a mustache sometimes. Yeah, he's got a mustache in the one I was looking at. All right, then I'm not watching the right one. 
Fuck. Oh, here it is. Live TV performance. Is that the one? Yeah, probably. Hang on. Let me... Uh... Yeah, live TV performance. It's got like a big fucking ring on. Yeah, just like you always have. Just like my big fucking ring. Sure, I can see it. A bit. A bit. Put some... Put some... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Put, some, put some glasses on that bastard. Put some glasses. Throw, throw like, glasses Alex, on. get off the stage. <laughs> Gordon Lightfoot's supposed to be playing. Are? What's with your dumb <laughs> ring? <laughs> where the, where did you get that at the merch booth? <laughs> Why'd you steal that guitar? All right, see that hat <laughs> pin on? All right, that's enough of that. Let's talk about another cover. <laughs> Let's talk about Barbara Streisand's version Barbara in 1971. Streisand. If you could Alex, yeah. I primarily know Barbara Streisand from that dance song that goes Barbara Streisand. Yeah, same. That and like she was in that movie with Seth Rogen that I didn't see. Really? Road what trip movie was Barbara. Oh, I never saw that one either. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, I didn't see that. Um, yeah. So Barbara Streisand is a successful recording artist and and actress from the past who is still alive. Uh, it's called the Guilt Trip, the Alex. Guilt Trip. That's what it's called. That's close, I, right? I haven't seen it. Uh, she won a Best Actress Academy Award in 1968. Um, okay. So considering I know very little about her and have hardly seen her at all, I think she just like got old and did less stuff in public. Um, that sounds about right. And But maybe, I don't even know if she's released music She's also known for the, what is it, the Streisand effect? Which means? Which is like when you want to cover something up, don't. Don't do that. Oh, right. <laughs> Let it, me give you, like, you the draw attention definition. to it. Like if someone yeah. says, hey, Jake Cressy fucks goats. And you're like, oh, man, I've never fucked a goat in my life. If you think I fuck goats, maybe you fuck goats. And then they'll be like, that Jake Cressy is really drawing a lot of attention to uh, the concept uh, yeah. of goat uh, fucking. And maybe uh, fucks like, goats. Jake Cressy's selling goat farm. And I'm like, I'd never touch those <laughs> goats. <laughs> yeah, a phenomenon whereby an attempt to hide, remove, or censor a piece of information has the unintended consequence of publicizing the information more widely. So was it something that she did that So she... yeah, in uh in 2005 in relation to a uh wait, hang on. Da, 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 da. The term a little uh, hang on. Oh, that's the origin of the term. So yeah, she had it's named after Barbara Streisand, whose 2003 attempt to suppress photographs of a residence in Malibu, California, inadvertently drew further public attention to it. Right. Yes, I have heard of that. I just completely forgot what it was. Well, now you can completely remember it. Now for... you can completely remember it for a bit and forget it again later. That's right. <laughs> but first... Barbara Streisand. Uh, so this was 1971, so this was like right after the song was released. Um, yeah, because the, the song hit the American billboards. It topped uh, at number five in February of 1971. And this was also 1971, so it's, you know, pretty quick afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, there's a story in, in that documentary about, like, when they were saying, like, the album came out as Sit Down, Young Stranger and sold, like, 60,000 copies or something like that, um, which is not a lot. And then the record people, and then uh, uh, If You Could Read My Mind was getting some airplay. So the record people were like, yo, we got to rename this album. 
And then supposedly Gordon Lightfoot was not a fan of that at the time and like flew to LA or whatever to talk to them and was like, why do you want to rename my album? And the guy was like, let me put this to you algebraically. The difference between not renaming the album and renaming the album is X and 7X. So he used very mathematical terms, but then they renamed the album and sold like 650,000 copies. So it did a lot better. Oh, yeah. These were the numbers from from the documentary. You think when, when Gordon Lightfoot like like busted into the studio, he's like, ah, sit down, young stranger, let me tell you something. <laughs> let, me, let, me tell you, let me tell you a little something about my album name. Uh, anyway, we still plays this song, so I guess he likes it well yeah. enough. Um, likes it well enough. So this one has even more guitar at the beginning. Yes, but it opens, and this happens in a lot of them, with like the melody, the like on the guitar, which does not happen in the original. It happens in a lot of covers. Yeah. So yeah, it sets up the melody, and then you get a little, like, some piano coming in with that guitar. And uh, we had a drum beat on this, which is not present in the original. Yes, it, that was another thing mentioned in the, uh, in the documentary. The, the person said they thought um, because the way Gordon Lightfoot played the guitar was fairly percussive, that was why mm-hmm. he was able to get away with not having a drummer for a long time. Anyway, I keep bringing yeah, up this documentary. That. I spent 90 minutes on it, you know. Um, oh, yeah. And what else happens in this version? Guitar? Drums? Yeah. Drums? Singing? Mm, yeah, singing And then there's some piano that comes strings. in, too. Yeah. And a bit, like, very soft piano. And Barbara Streisand. not someone I've heard sing a lot, if at all. Um, so- very, like, trained-sounding voice. Like she's yeah. singing pretty high here to start, and it does. She does sound very practiced and like professional. So right on, I guess. Yeah, and she does like it's more. Yeah, it sounds professional, whereas like Gordon Lightfoot's has a little more, uh, you know, like lo-fi charm. I guess you could call it. It sounds. I guess it sounds more like a folk tune than. Yeah, absolutely. Like. He was part of that folk revival, and to reference the documentary mm-hmm. again, one of the things he said. He said he always thought about, like, he just wanted to be better at playing the guitar. He always focused on his guitar playing. And mm. just, like, the singing happened as well, which is like, fuck you, dude. You sound really good. Yeah, you fucking beast. You a dope shit. voice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, but, like, so, I guess I respect the logic behind that. Yeah. This is my own dumb version of it, but I like just I guess it was in December. I was like, I want to crack a fucking egg with one hand. And so I just <laughs> started doing that. And then huh? I was like, well, I've done this. Now I want to be able to crack it with the other hand. And so now I'm at the point where I can crack two eggs at the same time into a bowl. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. It, it feels cool. It's super fucking easy to do, especially if you're, like cool. I have an omelet every day. So like right. I was able to get in the practice two times a day every day. All right. I got to learn that now because I eat two eggs every day. Do it. It feels dope to get it right. Okay. All right. That's but, like, I feel like that's kind of the approach Gordon Lightfoot took. <laughs> is he's like, eventually he's like, well, I've conquered this much guitar. Uh, a way to be a better like guitar player slash performer is to be able to play and sing. So then he just fucking probably did that. Right. Yeah, I guess so. Just like add more th- distractions until you're better at the thing you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Haven't really tried that myself, but maybe. N- 
Yeah, that's that's the only that's the only format I've had where I've tried that and have been willing to stick with it without calling myself a, an idiot. <laughs> you know, it's cracking. Hey, you gotta eggs, start somewhere. You you gotta, gotta crack somewhere. a few eggs to make an omelet. You know what I'm saying? Ah, uh, yeah. All I right. I know what you're saying, Alex. Back to Barbara. Um, Back to Barbara. This, there's not a lot to talk about in the Barbara version. No, not really. It's we have like, to admit. It's pretty straightforward. They they make the arrangement a lot more like generic, I guess. Like there's it's some more, guitar, yeah. obviously, and some piano playing. Um, the the piano does kind of have a progression throughout each verse of like playing a couple notes, a, a measure to playing consistently, and then to just like banging out some chords. But like other than that, uh, not not a ton. Um, yeah, it's more musical, you know? It's like it's got this drum beat. It's got a, like a strong rhythm behind it. Right. By adding more, we sort of lose some of the the intimacy of the original, I think. Definitely. Uh you get that when it's any kind of like more more production tends to have that effect and this definitely has more like money behind it. Mm-hmm. Or at least it's less of like some guys in a studio doing a folk thing or that's what yeah. that's my that's my perception which is probably super duper biased but um it sounds that way and uh and i'm assuming it's like more so half ah, nah I'm, I'm i'm i gotta stop making these claims because i don't know if they're i would say to maybe to maybe help you out here it's this is uh it's bigger it's like uh, it is when you. It's it's more melodramatic. It's like God, the pain of love. Yes, she Whereas she definitely the, goes up a lot more. Like the the intensity of the tension doesn't just come from uh, the instrumentation. Uh, it's she really gets a volume increase at the ends of the verses, uh, mm-hmm. where the where that intensity does increase in the original. Uh, but she gets this like she starts to like distort the mic. Yeah. Like it really gets that it starts to break up there and I don't know if that happens. I you hear that a lot in music and I never know if it is because they're actually just singing too powerfully because that's clearly what it's trying to invoke or mm-hmm. if they just add an effect and make it distort the vocals. Um and I really I it's really case by case for me whether I, I do like that effect because like right. I actually think it works pretty well in this case because it kind of sounds like she's leaning away from the mic a bit but still is sort of overpowering it. Um, right. But then she, there's like... Like you said, she's a trained professional here so she's right. trying to not hit that distortion but it still happens and that adds a bit of that human element in. Yeah, and I think... I, I do like that. Um, but then... And I know it happens like sometimes in like Led Zeppelin songs, and I think they do a pretty good job of it. Um, another example uh, is the darkness does that sometimes, most notably, mm. or at least most memorably for me in their Hotcakes album. And I find right. that is a little hit or miss. Like sometimes it's fine, but sometimes it really seems like they're just like throwing in an effect to make it sound like they were overpowering the mics, but weren't really and there's definitely other times and i can't think of any other examples but i feel like there are times where it just like does not work totally falls flat um although i i do like hotcakes for the most part yeah i like that album and darkness is tough like that because they ride this weird line between being a genuine band and being a parody right and and sometimes it's hard to tell what they're doing at any point in time Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i could see that distortion being used as a like a parodic element 
and but it, at the same time, it could just be them genuinely doing it because they obviously like that style of music and they're just trying to evoke that. Right. I mean, there's even on that album, he talks about like his life changing when he heard communication breakdown on a cassette tape. Like That's clearly right. they they're into Led Zeppelin, which I you know does that kind of stuff sometimes. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, like like you said, it's it's bigger, it's more showy, and uh, it's the same length as the original. So like it's it's pretty close. Follows it pretty closely. Yeah. So and like I think it's she. Yeah, she does still manage in in hitting hard. She she pulls in some some of those show ideas of pain and love, and it's mm-hmm. you know it doesn't necessarily make it better or worse than the original. I think it provides a take on love and heartbreak that is something people respond to. Yeah, it's just more of like a pop interpretation of kind of the same ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but from this, we're going to move into, like, very show-toony. Very, very. Uh, this one's actually technically a medley. Or, yeah, medley. It's uh, Liza Minnelli. And, oh, hang on, wait. Let me try that again. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Liza Minnelli. If you could read my mind, love, what a tale of thoughts could tell. Just like an old-time movie about a ghost from a wishing well in a castle dark. What a fortress strong. Liza Minnelli. 1974. Uh, so Liza Minnelli is someone who I only know from Arrested Development. Uh, she <laughs> played too. Lucille Estero or Lucille 2 <laughs> on Arrested Development. And I knew she had some connection with Broadway, oh, mostly yeah, well, because actually, of the you... fourth season of Arrested Development. Okay. Um, but I, I didn't look it up before that. Well, I kind of knew because she is in uh, the movie Sex in the City 2. At the start, she actually performs uh, all the single ladies by Beyonce, I believe. Oh, that's fun. Or is it fun? I don't know. It's no, it's <laughs> no. I haven't Sex seen the Sex in the City film. Two, so I was gonna say, yeah, that was that was before we really uh, officialized the watching a bad movie. Yeah, I wasn't invited to Grown Up Sue or Sex in the City too. Uh, just two uh, just so we're movies. not talking too esoterically, we have a bad movie night monthly and we've been doing it for a couple years now and that was kind of the start of it was those two movies but i i wasn't going at the time because they were very i think fairly off the cuff yeah like it wasn't there wasn't really planning and i just wasn't around and then we started planning it was like primarily for people to get shit faced so (laughs) yeah um I always spell piano wrong in my notes. I always miss the A. I don't know why. Piano. So interestingly, <laughs> this is a medley of If You Could Read My Mind and Come Back to Me. Come Back to Me is by a French guy by the names of Yves Montad. That's Yves Montad. I don't know if you say the S. That's not the um, names I have. Name. Really? Yeah, I have Come Back to Me, which is from a musical called On a Clear Day You Can See Forever by okay. Alan J. Lerner and Burton Lane. Uh, you might be right. There's a version of that song though that is by Yves Montaigne. There's a lot of versions with of Barbara this song. Streisand. So I yes. thought maybe that was the original, but you I'm, you're so probably right. It's from this musical. It took me a while to find that because there's a Sammy Davis Jr. version as well. So I thought it might mm. be a Sammy Davis Jr. song because Liza Minnelli also sang this song. Just mm. um, come back to me for a Sammy Davis Jr. tribute. <laughs> but it does seem to be from this musical. On a clear day, you can see forever. Yeah, um, that makes sense to me. And I, it is from the. It was written in tw- 1926, um, and it was produced Damn in Broadway so. in the 60s and the 2010s. Um, but yeah, it's like an old musical. Okay. So yeah, it kind of goes back and forth between the, uh, the two. 
yeah, songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in 1970, they actually released on a clear day you can see forever as a movie by the looks of it. Uh, and that starred by Barbara Streisand and this Eves Montand dude. So, I see. Yeah, so there's a number of versions of people singing this song uh, throughout the years because it's been around for quite a while uh, mm-hmm. from the 20s. Um, and let's see what this one. Yeah, like it's very showy. Um, but like more so like they've got a whole like band here playing with horns and there's like flutes and piano. Um, and she kind of sings like, la, 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 Yeah, it's very, it's very dramatic. And like, they put this like salsa rhythm in it. Like it's very, uh, very different from the last Yeah. Like it's much, much more active. And she's kind of almost like. I mean, obviously, we're just doing audio here. I didn't see a video of it, but she's got this, like, almost, like, breathless, desperate sound to her. Like, she's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, staccato with she's, the lines, if you could read my, my Yeah, mouth. like, there's kind of this, I mean, it's, they changed the context of the song a little bit, because now it's combined with this come back to me song, so it's less mm-hmm. of, like, we need to accept this and move on, and more like, come back, like, literally come back to me. So they do change context of the of the if you could read my mind parts yeah because she says the feeling's gone and i want to get it back yeah and stuff that's and i've never we've talked about a few medley versions and usually they're just kind of haphazardly thrown together it's one song then the next right this one they've actually merged them in a way that is uh that makes them actually like connect together yeah and like change tweak them a little bit i can't really speak for come back to me if that changed at all uh Mm -hmm. but there are some like slight changes just to make them fit together even better yeah she actually at at the 205 mark she merges uh two lines so she merges one line from uh if you could read my mind with the other song just listening for it so it's like it's a bit before 205 she said like where the heartache comes the love that didn't dawn is yeah. that the line you're talking about? Yeah. So that's actually from the other song? I assume so. Okay. And if not, she's built original words to bridge to the two. Yeah, it's it's a pretty, like, I don't know. It's a weird line to just throw in there out of nowhere, yeah. right? The love that didn't dawn. Like, mm-hmm. just randomly? Like, I feel like it's not just nonsense. Yeah, so it's like this one is uh it if I say fails to capture the sort of the the devastating heartbreak but it it merges these songs together fairly well for what it's doing. Yeah, and it's not really doing the well it is kind of like it's it's more it sounds more like like it's begging them back. Mm-hmm. Begging them to come back, which is really what it is. I'm surprised it's not come back to me slash if you could read my mind almost. Um, yeah, because it really takes that other song and kind of tri- puts it, inserts it into. If you could read my mind, well, I guess then yeah, that would make yeah. sense the way it is. Doesn't matter. Um, I, I think it works either way because I think the right. the come back to me parts are the bigger parts of the song. And yes. it goes huge and yeah, and it really has a much more like we talked about how the Barbara Streisand version was a bit more showy, but this is like taking that to like. Um, extreme and and it's much more performative i think so i suspect if there was a, a visual a visual aspect because it is a live i believe mm-hmm. performance um that would might add a, that might add a bit to it yeah but it's uh yeah in terms of like 
as a cover of if you could read my mind i think it is a failing because it it's just like it rips so much so that, <laughs> that is good out of that song but in in the sense that it's effectively combined these two songs it as the strange gimmick that it is it is good but it, it like it, nobody was asking for it you know yeah um I I see, and I don't know if that's true. Uh, I mean, Liza Minnelli seems to have her fans, so I guess this is like Legends of Broadway, Liza Minnelli. So I just I'm thinking now of know. the the famous Frank Zappa soundbite, where the the guy says, "I want to hear Caravan with the drum solo," but some fucking dude in the audience being like, "I want to hear Come Back <laughs> to Me with If You Could Read My Mind," <laughs> and Liza Minnelli's like, "Perfect." It's like, yeah, you got it. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's pretty successful. Um, Not, like, really my style, but making it maybe a little bit broader in terms of, like, the way it expresses this this feeling of of a relationship ending. Um, mm-hmm. And it does, it does it pretty effectively. Yeah, or I guess in like the original, the idea is that it has ended and that it's it it is over. We cannot get the feeling back. This is more maybe a more common sensation in the end of relationships where you're like, "Come back to me, I love you so much, baby." Yeah, it kind of maintains like the song, the the idea from the song where it's like, "Well, but this is reality. Like, like we we're not living in a storybook, but this right. is almost the storybook version." You know, so it does kind of yeah. cheapen it a bit, but uh, yeah, in a different. But I mean, yeah, if it's, if it's good song. for a show, I mean, yeah. what do you what do you do, right? Yeah, with that, we're gonna jump into our first our first dance the pain away version, which is uh, Viola Wills in movie is it alex is it footloose or is it dirty dancing where the guy dances at the warehouse uh that is uh footloose i just okay, watched dirty yeah. dancing a couple weeks ago it's definitely not that yeah, that's the, right. the like the punch dancing scene parody yeah in um hot rod and also flight of the concords mm. it's, and it's but it seems to be like a real idea people have because with with this version we're talking about viola wills along with at least two other versions here yeah, two other versions that are like dance remixes, essentially. Yeah. And uh, there's a song by uh, it's Nikki and the Dove called. called I should have had this fucking preloaded. But there's a line in this song called uh, uh, fucking what is it called? I gotta I gotta find this, this song. All right. But she the, she says I keep dancing by myself to make the hurt go away. The hurt go away. Yeah, it's You Stole My Heart Away by Nikki and the Dove. Huh. Okay, so what was that line again? Um, I keep dancing by myself to make the hurt go away. And that's and you think that's what's happening? That's what Viola Wills is doing? Did yeah, you watch the I music video? Present- no, I did not. It's mostly just her dancing by herself. Okay, so. I watched the, the Stars on 54 music video. Yes, that is not dancing by yourself yeah <laughs> um so yeah this is like what 
I wanted to call them disco drums. Are they disco drums? I don't know disco. Yeah, this is a hundred percent like a disco rhythm. She's yeah. so she's uh her genres according to Wikipedia are funk, disco, and dance. And I would and, I would call this all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> D. All of the above. Um yeah, it comes in with like heavy cymbals. And, like, there's these horns being like... What's interesting about the horns here? Um, Oftentimes, when you get these kind of, like, funky versions, the horns are really, like, quick and sharp. But these horns are playing pretty even and, like, not too fast, you know? Yeah, they sound almost... They're pretty smooth. Like, anachronistic compared to the rest of the track, right? Yeah. Because, like, fundamentally, this is, like, a disco rhythm track with Viola Wills singing over it, and then, yeah, you get these almost lazy-sounding horns. Or the... Yeah, it, it does sound weird. Um, and I don't know exactly how I feel about it yet. I think, because I think the horns are supposed to fill the purpose of the strings in the original. Right. Where they help to punch up the, the strong vocal lines. Mm-hmm. But I... I don't know. I don't. I feel for me they feel out of place, and so I don't think they help with the vocal lines. Yeah, this version fell a little flat for me. Mm. I don't know. I, I. It was fine, but like I, I, I usually am just like. I often like these older, like kind of funkier, discoy dance versions. Hmm. But this one, not so much. Or I have a lot. Lately, anyway. Right. Um, well, I like her voice on it. I think she's got a, a a good voice. It's got a bit of that huskiness we talked about in uh, in I, I Want to Know What Love Is, which I think sells me on Heartbreak for some reason. If you've got a little bit of a little bit, I of believe going your on. voice is deeper because you sound more like a man, toots. Yeah, uh, the only one <laughs> capable of heartbreak. <laughs> Maybe, but so we uh, can relate. Yeah, uh, I, I think the the bass on this is like I think the rhythm track is like groovy and it I like I was bobbing my head along to it. Yeah, it's so solid. It's, if nothing else, it's catchy. Like a lot of the parts are solid. I I don't know if I was sold on the whole thing though. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think the horns hold it back. They are a little out of place. I do agree with you on that. Um, I, but like there's and, some fun stuff in it. Like there's these like piano gliss that leads us into the verse and like. It's the 80s, well, it's 1980, so, like, there's some synth pad stuff going on uh, when the mm-hmm. horns aren't in, and, like, the bass, pretty solid bass line, too, you know? Like, the rhythm section is really doing its thing. Yeah. Um, it's also slightly... So, she swaps out the, um, like, gendered versions of words on this, so she says heroine instead of hero. Yeah. But she also says movie king instead of movie queen. I've never heard movie king i've i've heard movie queen replace movie star mm. i've never heard movie king replace movie star is that i don't know doesn't really matter i don't know i, f- I figure it, never once heard you're that. at the point of gender swapping you're like well i'm gonna i know right i want to do it the full <laughs> like way you might right? as well go all the way might as well um and it doesn't really matter like we don't really use that term either have you ever heard movie queen Outside of like no. British TV, like, <laughs> not in my life. I, I one time heard I don't remember what the show was. It was some reality show. A British person said "porn queen," and that is it. Hmm. Instead of porn star, uh, so I assume it's the same logic. Must be. Um. Anyway, uh, let's see. 
They, and she doesn't do the third verse. She does. She does do the third verse. Hang on. She does. I think she does it twice, doesn't she? Swaps out the third verse for the field. She does a different ending to the third verse, I think. No, you know what she does? Okay. Here's a, I'm just trying to <laughs> interpret my own notes. All she does is she says feel this way instead of act this way the whole time. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Not, she a, lot. Does Not the, a big change. She does the third verse twice, though. The movie star one? Yes, yeah, she does repeat the third verse. So she does that at the two minute mark. The movie then... uh, King one? Yeah. And then uh, she does it again, but I think she does a better job the second time. She puts a little more sass on it, a little more. She has a little more fun with it. She's got that. I mean, I guess you got to build up that energy, but it's unfortunate when the first time has to be like not great, you know? Yeah, you gotta have you gotta like... have a, a build up. But does that mean that you that the first time has to suck? I'm not saying I'm not saying it sucks. I'm not saying it sucks. But I'm thinking about uh we talked about Otis Redding's cover of uh shit. Wonder what a wonderful world. Right. And he just I think he just goes right from the start on that one. Like we talked about how it was such a dynamic performance. He That's just true. fucking gives her from Yeah, right right from the, the point of I don't know much about history. Like you can Ow! just fucking Yeah, and he's just like doing the, all his ads. Give her from the stuff. start. Um, that's true. It does work. Sometimes I think there's maybe too much, um, too much effort going into making something build up when you're actually sacrificing something from the earlier mm -hmm. parts at times. It's, uh, you know, you don't need a lengthy introduction if you, the, the meat of the piece is fucking good. People are going to like it, right? So just hit them with the best. Yeah. Right from the start. Yeah, um, sometimes a build-up's a cheap trick. That's I think that's what the song is missing is having the the repetition of the the three-way script verse going just the whole time like that kind of energy. Right. Yeah, that I mean, especially for like a dance version. Um mm -hmm. and then there's a lot of like playing out. Like she does a lot oh, of yeah. kind of ad-libbing and does some falsetto and the horns are playing and there's like backup vocalists who are not in the music video. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, I like that's a it's a solid like genre ending. Backup vocals her doing some come on baby. Yeah, exactly. And the video, there's not a whole lot to the video. It's um it comes in and it's like a dark room but the there's lighting from the back and you can see uh Viola Viola Will's uh silhouette. Yeah. And then the camera kind of comes in on her and the lighting's very green. It's kind of neat colors. It's very green, and then like mm -hmm. she's wearing like a sparkly dress, but it's like very sheer. Yeah, uh, it reminds me of uh, Laura Branigan's Gloria. Gloria yeah, it's like video. that, but like um, negative. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you turn the negative yeah. on your phone, and all the colors switch. <laughs> that... <laughs> it's the it's darker. Yeah, so instead of the... Because the, the Brannigan one is, like, bright and kind of golden. Yeah. This one's dark and green. Oh, the Brannigan one had a whole bunch of crystal balls in it. No, not crystal that's balls. That's true. Disco balls. Disco balls, uh, yeah. That's, that's what those are called. 
Um, yeah, there's not much to it. She mostly just dances and sings at the camera. Yeah. Yeah, that's this one. Let's talk about another one. Uh, yeah, the next one is so that's Stars, Stars on, on 54, 54. 1998. So this is a reference to the Dutch pop group Stars on 45. Um, this is apparently a Eurodance supergroup put together to make the soundtrack for 54, a movie about Studio 54, actually, which is a New York City discotheque. I think they actually what? Did they do more than just this song? Um, it says they were put together to make the soundtrack, according to Wikipedia. Ultra Nate. Yeah, so you got three members. It's Ultra Nate. Uh, Jocelyn and Enrique. Oh, they only had one single. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, a single, single. You might which say. is this song. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. So yeah, it's uh, it's ba- it was for the movie Studio Fifty Four, which is about a New York City discotheque. Uh, the movie was made in nineteen ninety eight and stars Ryan Philip, or Ryan Felipe, I don't know, and uh, Salma Hayek, and Mike Myers is also in the film. Neat. Uh, it's a song yeah, about a club and drugs, probably. Sex maybe, yeah, and sex. they cut out they. There's a the theatrical cut cuts out all the gay stuff, and then there's mm. a a director's cut where they put it back in. They, so. they actually double down on gay stuff, cut out all the straight stuff. Cut out all the straight stuff. Uh, it's like two completely different movies. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Amber is a uh, Dutch German techno uh, music singer. Ultra Nate is a African American house music singer, and Jocelyn Enrique is a Filipino American dance singer. So this is the version I knew. I'm pretty. This must be the version that I didn't necessarily know, but like that my sister heard because I heard her singing the song around the house. Right. It had to have been this. So when I when you but when you gave not. the playlist this week, you hadn't fully organized it yet. So this came on right after the original. And when I was listening to the original, something in the in the higher mom says, I'm like, this sounds familiar, but I don't know what song I've heard this in. And then this one really came on. Familiar. Or it's got a really like distinctive melody. Mm-hmm. And then I heard it in here, and I was like, oh, fuck, this is the version I know. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, and that was kind of my reaction, too. Like, as soon as um, I heard this one, I was like, this must have been it. Like, it happened, it was the late 90s, right? So it would have been the right time period. Um, yeah. Um, it hit, it charted in Canada. I hit, think it hit number three. Yeah. Yeah, so this has got to be it. Um. But yeah, definitely like late '90s dance, like way into that. Yeah, straight that up from like the guitar that scene. comes in at the start, which is like it sounds pretty Spanish influenced. Yeah, it does have. That's like the guitar, yeah. um, and there's a lot of this like these like ostinato patterns playing throughout, where they like hold on, like just play a note over and over again to some rhythm. Um, right. Uh, but like. And of course, you know, like that kind of synthy stuff. Like it, it comes in with, um, like these filter sweeps. You know, like on on like cymbals go like, and then plays that guitar. Yeah. Um, and then like some various like synthesizer sounds, and they make their little, you know, 
intro, ooh, babe, whatever. Uh, yeah, and so then, you got the ambiance synth in the back, and then like some other shit going on. Yeah, and then have the like chime thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that is. I think we've talked about it before because it does come yeah. up sometimes. I don't know what to call it. It's like a chime. Yeah, it's like a yeah. It's I, that's all I got for you. It's like a chime. It's like somewhere between a, a chime and uh, you know something that you use to keep time. Uh, uh, what is that called? Uh, a clock. No, the uh, <laughs> like the the one for specifically a for rhythm. Yes, a metronome. A metronome. Yeah, it does have that sound to it too. And they kind of like sing the first part of the verse, and then you get these, and then like the drums come in, and there's like the bass too. Yeah, like drum machine kind of thing with this like clap. Yeah, sound. drum machine, uh, synth bass. So this one. I think this one, like overall, more successful as a like dance version than yeah than the viola. Maybe that's Wills just one. our our sensibilities as people born in the nineties. But yeah, maybe. Um, it's tough to say. And then, so and then during the verses in particular, well, they're all verses, but this one kind of does something different because it it swaps out the end of all of the verses. Uh, for the mm. same lines, and it kind of creates a chorus. Maybe it's more right. of a refrain in this context, um, but it kind of turns it into this like dance pop song by playing with the structure. Right, and that's that that ending it puts on is that the I don't know where yes. we went wrong. They yeah, like all and they, it, they hit the it with the high strings on there too. Get it back, and then there's that. That's where one of the ostinato pattern comes in. Mm-hmm. that that sound where it's just like right. basically the same thing and they're just like kind of like strumming in that pattern or i assume it's oh, a guitar yeah. but it might be something else but yeah yeah that's like a classic pattern yeah totally um this is the, the, the this is like textbook euro dance really <laughs> like if you yeah, really. to explain it to somebody like from the tone of the electric bass to to the the synth strings and the singing like yeah yeah, and uh, then it kind of like even like there's like short little boom 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 like baseline between the verses is that instead before it was like like soft picking you know on yeah. the guitar but now it's very much like keep dancing don't stop don't stop yeah Can't stop. and then uh, what's interesting about this one is they changed the line from the hero would be me to the hero would be you yeah I'm struggling. To understand the implications of that, I think it just—I—I I feel like it makes the line uglier because you're like Cause putting it, it on the other person. Yeah, it shifts blame in a way that is not—not not, you know like humble or willing to admit fault. Yeah, that was kind of my first reaction, and I wasn't sure, but it really is like you're the hero here, man, and you failed. Like, and yeah, and you failed, as you often do. Jeez. Maybe it fits in with the movie. I don't know. Maybe, um, and I guess like uh, it, it speaks to betrayal, which is maybe more accurate to the to the original context that inspired the song. Yeah, which is Gordon Lightfoot's infidelity. Yeah, yeah. Um. So then they sing those first two verses. Sorry, the hero part. Does that happen in the third verse? It happens several times. They they do oh, it right. at least twice. Yeah. Um. But there's also between the verses, I believe after the second verse, they like get their sort of 
bridge section, which is their other thing they add, where it's like the the bass plays and they kind of do their if you could, right? If you could, so if it's just you like could piece read my yeah. mind. So that's their sort of like transition bridge section that. Yeah, they basically like three things as far as I'm concerned got added to this version, and that is, uh, they replace the ends of all the verses with a refrain, um, or, and treated it in that like kind of chorus way where they would all come up then and all sing. Um, they added this bridge section and they added a whole bunch of ostinato patterns, yeah, which is to say like two or three, which makes for like a much less, like depressing version because I, I played this for Greta and she's like oh yeah I know this version and then I played her the original and she's just like holy fuck like this is depressing yeah so it really changes the feeling but makes it like this much more danceable song and I think like having not seen the movie I think it kind of fits in with this idea of like these struggles and and relationships that are kind of forming and failing but like in the context of a nightclub, which is ostensibly there for like fun times, mm-hmm. but like kind of everything's failing around this upbeat atmosphere. Yeah, and you know, even when a relationship fails, you just gotta dance on. You know, dance the pain away. Yeah, you just gotta dance the pain away and like teleport sometimes, and then change into red clothes. Yeah, that was confusing in the music video. It's just like, and now we're in red clothes. And now there's a clip of a guy rubbing money on himself, probably from the movie. Yeah. So, uh, like, the music, yeah, the music video is pretty traditional in that it's clips of the group singing and also clips from the film. Yep. And it's, like, I don't know. I feel like the music video is very of its time. Um, it's, like, them standing in a, like, triangle pattern doing mm-hmm. uh, synchronized dances, singing at the camera. Um, it's probably 420p. 480p, rather. 420p. <laughs> um, and then, like, they teleport to different rooms sometimes. Yeah. And, uh... And they're very, like, the, some of the rooms are, like, like a kind of like a Rubik's Cube kind of thing. You know, those dance floors that are, like, little lit-up squares of different colors? Yeah, which is kind of cool just looking. Just that for a whole room. Yeah, that's um, cool. And then they change to red clothes suddenly. And then, like, they're in, I assume, this Studio 54 club. Yeah. Um... I don't know if they're actually in the movie, but it certainly looks like they were not in the movie and they, they were just like added through editing. Yeah, I think like, that's the that's the maybe the the trick. It's like, whoa, yeah. remember the hit movie? Now these guys are in it. Except the movie was not a hit. No. But they are in it. They're in it. Um dancing in dancing. red. Clothes. Yeah. That's right. Um, with that, we're going to talk about the 2007 cover by Scala and the Kalakni Brothers. Did we talk about these guys before? Yes, they did. Black Hole Sun. It's Black Hole Sun. So okay. now... For this version, I will exclusively be using my notes from Black Hole Sun instead of the ones I wrote for this song. All right. Lay it on They're a Belgian girls' choir conducted by one of the Kalakni brothers with the other on piano. Uh, It's mostly covers, although they have their own compositions as well. There's a piano at the start. There is. There's a piano throughout. A pino, if you want to believe my notes. 
a Pianna, if you want to believe Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby. Um, it's it's uh, you know, this is uh, here's a note I had from the the Black Hole Song ver- version. It needs a second element. All this is is piano, yeah. some violin on this one, and the this choir singing. It's like. It's like, you know, it's like that Garfield without Garfield comic strip, except just, not good. It's just, like, weirdly hilarious because it's just a guy talking to nobody or, like, smiling. Yeah, and having just, like, sad thoughts appear out yeah. of nowhere. I definitely, this is definitely lacking. Like, damn it, how many times do I misspell piano in, like, three? All right. Um, and, like, there's a bit. Like, it's piano and them, like, chanting. And I seem to remember liking the Black Hole Sun version a bit because... Of just because the subject matter, maybe, yeah, maybe I'm thinking think of a different choral a version better. from a different song. But I seem to remember liking it, um, at least somewhat. Um, but this is, yeah, this one really falls flat. I I put it in because I was like, yeah, choral version, and then listen to like the first five seconds. But it does not change. Like the piano gets a bit, mm-hmm. like starts playing higher. That's pretty much it. Yeah, the piano starts to pick up again in the last minute. Yeah, and it like often follows the vocal melody anyway, so they're just kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. and it, it definitely could have been shorter. This version runs what five eleven, five ten. Yeah, it's it is slow. They're like slowly chanting. Uh, the other reason I put it in is the album's called One Winged Angel. I thought there might be a Final Fantasy connection. There yeah, is not. There's not. There is not. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, they're a choral group, so I, it's not a choral. Yeah, that song, seems like right? a, that seems like a home run for a choral group. Is the do they chant that has in like a choir in it? Doesn't it? I don't know. I don't know the Final Fantasy <laughs> Seven. Oh no, they do have it on there. Okay, they do have it on there. But um, yeah, so unfortunately, this one disappointed, and I really don't have much to say about it. I mean, I guess I could say that piano picks up about halfway through the choir, through, and then the choir goes way up for uh, the line, won't you come? <laughs> come! <laughs> like that? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's actually, uh, again, I'm using my notes from the Black Hole Sun version. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there is no line in this that says, won't you come? <laughs> uh, oh, I thought, I just heard come, and I was like, yeah, they just shout come really loud. <laughs> Great. Fucking choirs, man. Oh, choirs. Yeah, that's that's it. And again, I I have exclusively used my notes from the Black Hole Sun version because <laughs> it's the yeah, same shit. Same shit. Same shit. All right, coming up next, not Olivia Newton-John, which is who I was looking for when I found this version on Spotify. Olivia Free Freezefar. I believe it would be Freeze. I don't think it's Fries Far. Fries Far. Um, I went to her website, but it's very busy, and it was hard to yeah, find. hard to parse information. Um, yeah, I, so I looked at both her webpage and her uh, Facebook page. Um, they basically say the same thing on there. Olivia Freeze Far is a young teen singer, songwriter, and musician. Olivia has completed Sunset Love Tonight, Ugly Boy, and three albums. Live performances, TBA. There's also um, a po- one of the images on her website just says female dick. Last train leaving <laughs> Bakersfield. I don't know what it is. A book maybe. Female dick. As in like as in like a female detective? I think so, yeah. 
it's the picture it's like a book cover and it, it's it's like a, a a woman riding a horse in bakersfield okay. so there's a sign that says bakersfield uh and it says female dick last train leaving bakersfield female dick so that's fun oh it's a comic book uh did she write it i don't know yeah her her fucking web design is terrible and whoever now she put it together should be shot yeah yeah it's a real busy web page and it's hard to find anything um yeah so the this um, version so she's from california uh this version opens with uh what I can only describe as like a, a VHS tape unraveling yeah. kind of sound. Yeah, it's that kind of like rewind, but something went wrong sound. Yeah. And then we get an echoey, if I could your mind. And somebody speaking Spanish below the track. Yes. And then there's other like, do, 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 do. Kind of uses that sound with some synthesizers as like the, the filters slowly open and like yeah. make it a regular sound and not a filtered one. Yeah, not and that like through the wall machine. kind of noise. <laughs> so I I tried to get uh Greta to translate the Spanish because she knows some Spanish. Right. Um, it's something about a story and us. Yeah. So it's probably something you know something about our story, possibly even. Yeah. Ending. Yeah. So that's what I got there. Sweet. Um, we get hand claps coming in with some some guitar that comes in sounding clean. And just kind of like pop rocky, but it imme- almost immediately starts doing like really country sounding runs. Yes, this one interests me because it kind of does the dance thing in a similar way to Stars on 54 um, mm-hmm. in terms of the instrumentation. But it ends up maintaining a lot of that like con- sort of more country roots, even though it's like kind of folk country. But it like yeah. it keeps like country around and plays like very country sounding guitar and then like later on throw some tambourine in which even kind of supports that right so it manages to be this genre hybrid between the stars on 54 version and gordon lightfoot's yeah and i i think it's actually a pretty decent version yeah i'm not crazy about it but in terms of like she's i guess still a teenager probably for pages to be believed this is one of the more adventurous covers we've heard from sort of more inexperienced musicians. Yeah, like it it all sounds like pretty good and there's nothing like to me that's glaring as like uh like an obvious like beginner mistake kind of thing. Mhm. I would say the most obvious beginner mistake we encounter is just playing the song straight. Fair enough. I mean, compared to the Stars in 54 which kind of changes the structure around to make it more like pop dance um digestible this really doesn't Mm -hmm. do any of that kind of stuff although i think it still does a pretty i I don't know if it needs to because it still kind of like treats it in the same way yeah and she does uh so she does like kind of double track on her vocals i think where where the one below it is this weird like robotic sounding one I don't know if that's two tracks or if that's just a just a vocal effect. Oh, I didn't really notice that before. You didn't notice that? Well, I don't know, man. I just thought it was very prominent, but I don't know. Just and because it, it sounds to me, it's like a technique. I think she Not uses here. it because maybe she doesn't have quite a a bassy voice tone naturally. Fills up the lower end a little more. Yeah, fills out that lower end. Yeah. 
That's all right. And it sounds very much like a Euro dance kind of trick. Like I would I would see this in nineties, early two thousands dance songs. Okay. Yeah. No, that sounds all right. I'm not crazy about that country guitar. It's like if you go to like two sixteen, it's like the most country little riff in there. <laughs> like sounding just very like for like half a second. Let's see. It's just like burn them down, and like it's it is it is odd. I it didn't sound super out of place to me though. I don't know. It's just like as soon as I picked up on it, I was like, "What the what the fuck?" And I kept hearing it coming in different places. I'm like, "This is fucking weird." Yeah, it it was unexpected, but I don't know. I yeah. think it kind of like pays a little homage to kind of the roots of the song. Yeah, Even, plus uh, or, I mean, that's because there's a lot of country versions of this song. We didn't talk about any of them. But right, so song... she could be pulling from that as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I thought this one was pretty good for for what it is. Yeah, and it ends like super suddenly because the last thing she says is like, "I just can't get it back." Right. And there's a part earlier on where she says that, and it like echoes back, back, back. But like this one, she just like totally just suddenly ends. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just cuts right out. Back. I just can't get it down. back. Done. <laughs> done yep pack it up go home and talk about the last version of this song the last version david hasselhoff in 2019 and ava cherry if you could read my mind love what a tale my thoughts could tell just like an old time movie about a ghost from a wishing well yeah, and Ava Cherry, who was uh, formerly a backup singer for David Bowie. Backup in singer uh, in... 1974 to 1978. Yeah. And uh, David Hasselhoff is David fucking Hasselhoff. Hasselhoff. He, so this is off a full album of covers he does. And it's, I will say, both in terms of the songs he chooses to cover and how he performs them. It's like if you... Uh, hang on, I wrote this down. It's a good joke. Damn it. Shit. It's... <laughs> This is like an album composed of songs you recorded your dad singing in the car. He does heroes. He's got like, yeah, he does heroes. He's got uh, Here I Go Again by White Snake. He's got Rhinestone Cowboy. Sugar Sugar. Yeah. Sweet Caroline. Yeah. Schwimmen. What does he say? Schwimmen? Schwimmen. It's probably in German. Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah, I forgot David Hasselhoff is German. Um, David uh, Hasselhoff also does the the hit single for the movie Kung Fury called True Survivor. That is true, Survivor. That thing fucking bangs all day. So yeah, uh, he's popular in Germany supposedly. So I guess that's why he did a German version of Heroes. I don't know if it's entirely German, but what is the version of Heroes? Hmm. Yeah, he does some German. I think maybe just for a verse or something. I'm not listening to it right now. No, I, th um, I think he does English as well on there. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing too. Maybe not. No, he said just for one day. All right. Yeah. But yeah, he's teamed up on this album with like Flock of Seagulls, uh, Todd Rundgren, Ava Cherry, fucking other people. Like big names come on to do covers with David Hasselhoff. Yeah, he's David Hasselhoff, man. Although, uh,. Ava Cherry in this song, not much of a presence. No. Um, she's, I guess, I don't know, she's a backup singer or whatever, but she's done yeah, her she own stuff, I think. Yeah, and when she takes the lead at around the 234 mark, she actually is the only singer. Very briefly. 
Very for like brief. a couple lines. She gets like the beginning of the fourth verse. And I didn't think mm-hmm. she did that great a job. Yeah, it's like it's like like I said of David Hasselhoff's performance, it sounds like your fucking dad singing. Like it sounds very <laughs> yeah. it's very karaoke. Like if your dad like had a pretty deep voice. Yeah. But it does. There's lots of like reverb on it, which I can do to you in my ears. Do it. Coward. Yep. You got so much reverb on you in my own ears. As long as a ghost that you can't see. David Hasselhoff. <laughs> what are you doing here? So this in one Jake's opens with a, a piano and a sort of also metronome sounding percussion, but not not chimey. Maybe it's, it's just, just like a, a metronome. Oh, I'm still listening to Heroes. Fuck. Yeah, it's kind of like the yeah kind of rhythm um and it i think this one is more like really leans into the ballad uh side of the song it's a little yeah thing uh it's got yeah like piano arpeggios and like these synth pads Mm -hmm. just yeah very chirpy little synth too that goes yeah the other synthesizer that plays the riff it's it's almost it almost sounds like a clav that you've just like filtered and like added some effects to. Like it's kind of mm-hmm. clavinet sounding to me. But I'm sure there's other ways to make it that sound with a synthesizer. Yeah. So, um yeah, it's like it's very uh very subdued version. It's a it's a bit long for my taste given what it is, four seventeen. Yeah, um, it is. I mean uh, I think, I don't know, did we mention, like, they sing together on some lines, and then Ava Cherry, like we said, sings on her own for a couple lines, and then after that, I was surprised. After she sings, they don't duet anymore. It's all David Hasselhoff from there. Yeah, that's an odd choice, right? Particularly Usually at the end you... of the song is when you want to, like, harmonize, right? Yeah, and you build this big, giant moment. And maybe it makes sense because it is about, you know, uh, an, an ending relationship that at the end he's on his own right but she i feel like if that were the case i don't know she should have got more of a part in the song mm-hmm. she didn't get very much at all yeah this one uh this one was i don't know pretty boring to me it's <laughs> yeah there's not like a whole lot i feel like none of these really did the like duet thing and it could be a duet yeah i I feel like we pulled more youtube covers we'd get some of those arbitrary ones where they split it line by line kind of deal right yeah that probably exists i've been avoiding youtube covers lately though yeah well particularly with the songs we've been covering there's kind of a wealth of non-youtube covers that's true we've been doing a lot of older stuff diana crawl has a version Ooh, i wonder if that's the version of my sister what so Diana that's, Krall uh, feet Sarah McLaughlin? Sarah McLaughlin. With that's that, a, that's a, a duet. Ooh. Didn't know about that one. Alright. Just gonna ignore that for now. Never happened. Doesn't exist. Don't look it up, people. We're gonna get into our final verdicts. We got three categories today: the worst version, the best version, and the love songiest version. Love songiest version. For the final time, we're gonna have to come up with a new third category next week. It's oh, gonna be man. rough. It usually oh. is. It usually is. Um, Alex, what is the worst version of this, and why? What is the worst version of this song? Um, 
for me, it was the Scala and Kalak Kalakni Kalsani Kal. Kalasni, yeah, I don't Kalak- know. Kalakni Kalasni, uh, the coral one. Um, it was just, just boring. There wasn't much change. It was just chanty and like droning and not very effective in any really way. I mean, it's a song about isolation and you're singing it in a choir. Yeah. It's a terrible choice. Which is fine, I'm sure. I'm sure that's possible. But it's a little weird, right? Right? It's it's fine to have the choir. Yeah. But you need another element. There needs to be some kind of driving force. Yeah, like you said, there's got to be something else. Yeah. And it doesn't have much, and it needs more. Yeah. And that's where, yeah, I have to agree with you there, because there are some some bad versions of this. Uh, uh, David Hasselhoff wasn't great. But it is at least the skeleton of a song, like all the pieces are there. Right. Whereas with Scalar, Scala, and, and the brothers, the brothers K, it's it's just very clearly cannot stand on its own, and it's boring. It's too fucking long, and there's nothing really technically impressive about it or engaging. It's a, it's bad. Here, here. With that, Alex, let's talk about the best version of this and why. The best version of this. I actually liked a couple of these versions. Yeah, even if they don't really capture the spirit of the original one, I think some of these guys managed to slap in their own right, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. I think I got to give it to... I'm struggling here. But I think I, I have to give it to Stars on 54. I mean, I think they did a pretty good job of, of turning it into this, like, Europop thing. Eurodance thing. That yeah. Just, like, works. And it's not as, like, deep feeling as the original, but it kind of doesn't need to be. So Yeah, it really finds its own element and, you know, manages to hold a lot of the, the key lyrics from the original without totally bumming out a dance floor which is i suppose impressive yeah i'm not bummed out it's like a good one to have in the middle of the playlist and just like bring it back up before the fucking choral thing Mm-hmm. Yeah. and uh yeah i might i might actually agree with you i like i thought the barbara streisand version was good but it's a little too similar to the original to be noteworthy um the liza minnelli one is a strange beast it's a strange beast i could see it being someone's favorite if that if you're into that like the show tunes then Mm -hmm. i I could definitely see it appeal um certainly it it was it was enjoyable to listen to especially because like the other lines were thrown in and it was a little higher energy too so yeah yeah like that one is its own thing but i don't think in in terms of like a the best cover of his song it really deserves that um, Viola Wills, like, I, I thought it was all right. I thought, but I think it was still missing a lot. I think you're right. I think Stars on 54 really kind of hit the strong points and doesn't have a lot of flaws in it that aren't just, you know, flaws inherent in that genre. <laughs> that, that you can't really explore the depths of heartbreak of a divorce while right. you're trying to dance. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so I'm gonna agree with you on that. We're we're unanimous so far, Alex. Which of these is the love songiest? Which is the love songiest? Um, yeah. Greatest love of all by Whitney Houston, which uses the same like melody for part of it. Yeah. Um, Gordon Lightfoot was gonna sue over it, but 
he decided not to, he decided to drop the lawsuit because it seemed to be negatively impacting Whitney Houston and he just wanted to mm-hmm. sue the songwriter. Yeah. Uh did you talk about that? I didn't. At the I start? actually yeah, I, I, didn't sometimes find a way I forget. To in, so. Sometimes I zone out for a minute. Um I wanted to bring that up just cuz it really is like the same the it's the uh, which part of the song is it? Yeah, it's the na 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like that part of the melody does get used in Greatest Love of All. Um Anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up. That's not actually my answer. Um But it is the greatest love of all It is the greatest love of all, so that's gotta be the love song, yes, right? Um so if if possible that one wins. But other than that, the most love song he won Alright. I can give it to David Hasselhoff because it's really cheesy. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good call. It's got that. Uh, yeah, it's it's like a cheesy karaoke number, really. Yeah, and like for and really has like a almost token like second like featuring artist. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you like you needed to have that. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's we got a cherry on. Yeah, it's a it's it's awkward, just like love. Um, I'm gonna go with Barbara Streisand because it's that sort of big. It's like showy love without being Liza Minnelli's odd show tune beast. Right. And uh, yeah, I think with the strings getting those punching those big notes and stuff like that's pretty classic love song from what we what we've seen over the course of this month alone, let alone with with other other versions we've talked about of love songs. This isn't the only time we've talked about love songs. I feel like that's worth pointing out. What are you talking about? Well, just I've never talked about a love song in my life until February. <laughs> Until February, that's right. I mean, how many songs could there be out there that are about love, really? Really, yeah. Speaking it's, realistically, it's, it can't be that what? many, right? Five, six? Yeah, I mean, we did four for this month and pretty much exhausted the whole supply, so. Yeah, it was tough finding four. Yeah, it's like this and maybe Purple Rain? <laughs> I think, right? What's Purple yeah. Rain about? It's about love yeah 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 Yeah. maybe so that's been our final verdict if you've got a similar opinion different opinion or you want to talk about a song we didn't talk about uh, hit us up on twitter hashtag cover me pod at jake the cressy or at some alex wise guy you can also email us at cover me pod at gmail.com with your questions comments concerns be sure to rate and review us on apple Podcasts. uh subscribe to us we're on apple Podcasts, google podcasts Spotify, Stitcher, some other shit, probably. Um, we're going to jump into our bonus segment inspired by uh, a childhood game that people love to play. You know the you know the old Mary Fuck Kill, Alex? Ooh, yes. So we're going to do that, but with the love songs we've talked about this month. So it's going to be Mary Fuck Finger and Kill. Okay. I couldn't come up with a good fourth one. I was going to do cuck, but I figured if you marry someone and then fuck somebody else, you're already cucking the married person. So it's, it doesn't work, Alex. All right. So fuck, marry, so, finger, kill. Kill, yeah. And the, the four songs are, of course, This Must Be the Place by The Talking Heads, I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner, Heroes by David Bowie, and this week's piece, which is If You Could Read My Mind by Gordon Lightfoot. Gordon Lightfoot. All right. Let's see. Um. Okay, I think I have it. You got it. Yep. So I'm going to hang on. Let me think about this again, real quick. 
Okay, sure. All right. I'm going to fuck if you can read my mind. I'm going to finger this must be the place. I'm going to marry <laughs> heroes, and I'm going to kill. I want to know what love is. That's pretty solid. So uh, give me some of the reasoning behind this. Um, well, I want to know what love is. It's probably the, the my least favorite of these songs. Don't dislike it. Right. But, like, it's the least good. Like, I feel like we talked about some really solid songs this month, mm-hmm. and that one almost stands out. <laughs> Yeah, it as really being is a sore like thumb. not as good, um, in my mind anyway. Uh, but it's still fun. Um, <laughs> I love that the song that uh, what's his face believes Mick Mick Jones believes was delivered by God. Like, it's your just least so favorite. cheesy. <laughs> You're like, eh, fine. <laughs> I mean, it's all of these songs have resonance, and that mm-hmm. one is the only one here who's just like playing casinos. Yeah. I don't know. I guess there's nothing wrong it's, with playing casinos, really. No, there's nothing wrong. I'm going to talk shit right. about it's it like, anyway. Um, it's just one that you can find in a lot cheaper places than you might find these other songs. Yeah. Yeah. I also just don't like casinos conceptually. But anyway, um, I knew I was going to marry Heroes because that's the song I have the most history with. Right. Um, and uh, This Must Be The Place is a little more fun. So I feel like you could have some like light fun times with this must be the place, right? All right. Yeah, so that's just why finger you, it. That's why you gotta finger it. Um and then uh that leaves if you could read my mind as the one you as the one you just fuck is that when you fuck him once or you're fucking him on the side? I, I don't I've never really known. You know, yeah, I've never really known that either. Is if it, it's is a one time thing or your side piece or is it just like contract a contract fucking? Thing? Yeah. <laughs> uh and if you marry it, does uh, that yeah. mean does that imply there's no like sex with marriage? Is that the joke? Yeah, that's this whole that's thing. A, yeah, I wonder. And the the other question is, did you pick if you could read my mind to fuck? Because if you married it, it would have immediately cheated on you. Yeah, don't don't marry if you could read my mind. <laughs> don't marry the divorce song. Don't marry the divorce song. Um, all right, what's yours? Okay, so it's gonna uh, marry. Uh, this must be the place. Fuck heroes. Uh, finger. Uh, if you could read my mind and uh, kill foreigner, kill. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I want to know what love is. Got killed by both of us. Both of us. Yeah, it's just like you're right. We we talked about two art rock songs and like a very heartfelt folk song where like the lyricism in particular is like very intense and like layered and uh, like personal on on some level for each of those. Right. And then I want to know what love is is apparently about fucking spies. It's part of some fucking concept <laughs> album. Yeah, like, it just doesn't have the same like timeless aspect I think as the other ones do. Mhm. Like 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 it's the drugstore novel where the other ones are like masterpieces, you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> like if you could read my mind does sound like but it's like folky enough it sounds i don't know if i'd say it's 70s sounding necessarily it's Mm -hmm. it's definitely like slow and acoustic but we have slow acoustic jams now you know yeah and heroes like what the fuck does heroes sound like yeah and this must be the place uh i feel like it doesn't to me doesn't sound like 80s synth pop or anything like that like it's not it doesn't date itself to me in the same way that mm-hmm. I want to know what love is, is like, oh yeah, that's a cheesy eighties ballad. Like you know, because you hear it. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, that's it has it all the parts. Um I'm sure there's specific reasons that I don't know. But like the other ones are are more universal and more timeless. Whereas I want to know what love is, to me, hasn't really stood the test of time in the same way. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. And so 
for for my marriage to this must be the place. I, I agree with you. It is fun, and it is it does feel light, but it also has that almost like weird serendipitous quality. Like even in the song, he's like, "Oh, I like I guess this is where I'm supposed to be, right? This must be the place." Right. It, it's I got that feeling of like being comfortable in somewhere. Yeah, and I feel like that's the kind of song you want to marry, where you're comfortable but still having fun. That's probably a good move. I went for the uh, dramatic dying with bombs exploding <laughs> overhead. So, yeah, and see, I felt like the like at the heart of Heroes, it's about this short moment, and uh, like I I agree in some extent, being married to that sounds incredible and intense, <laughs> but. I think in the spirit of the song, you just got to fuck it. And, you know, if it's the one time fuck you go, or if I guess if you're Tony Visconti, it's the, a whole affair, right? <laughs> and true. yeah, so I feel like that's the one you fuck. And then for if you could read my mind, I'm scared to get hurt. Like, obviously, the love is deep and intense, but it's I don't want to get too close. So you just kind of finger it and go on your merry way, a little fun hand stuff. <laughs> hey, you're great. But I think in that scenario, I'm going to be thinking about if you could read my mind for a long time. That's true. Did you cut out for? Oh, I know. I that was. Oh. I think you caught the full of that. Okay. So that is uh, our bonus segment. That's if you have a, uh, a a a merry fuck finger kill, you wanna you wanna drop on us. Uh, hit us up mffk hashtag mffk on Twitter, and uh, we can discuss our weird relationships with songs. Yeah. That's been our episode. Uh, thank you for joining us. Tune in next week when we talk about another song and its many cover versions. And as we always say on Cover Me, if you could read my... <laughs> Shit, I really should have thought of this one beforehand. If you Just could like... Cover no, you got something? Mind, <laughs> if you could cover like me... Magneto in the X-Men. That's right. Um, no, fuck. I actually had one. I think I had one. Sorry, I spoke over. You could cover uh, me. I would be me. And you would drink all the time in this place. Are you trying to fit them all together? <laughs> it's a lot. If you could... If you could... Hang on, I had it. If you could cover me, love, what a tale my notes on your cover could tell. <laughs>